what we believe we believe. Why do I believe Jesus Christ to be the way, the truth, and the life? You want to be a Christian. You want to live the Christian life. But you've never learned how to live the Christian life. You are listening to Tellius Talk, a podcast on being complete in Christ, hosted by Buzzsprout. Today we are continuing our three-part series on the offices of Christ. Last month we talked about Jesus as a prophet. Today we are talking about Jesus as a priest. The role of priest in the Old Testament and Hebraic tradition had certain rules and traditions. When we refer to Jesus as a priest, what does that mean to the Jewish people of his time and what does it mean to us today? Please stay with us as we continue discussing the offices of Christ. Hello and welcome to Tellius Talk. I am Wendell Martins. Last month we introduced a new series on the offices of Christ and looked at Christ the prophet. This episode we're continuing that series and we will be looking at Christ the priest. Having celebrated Easter just earlier this month, I think this topic comes at a very good time. You see, Jesus came as the perfect priest, and it's because of his sacrificial death, his resurrection, and eternal life that we can be reconciled to God. Scripture teaches that we all require a priest to approach God, and this is why the book of Hebrews focuses so much on defining Christ as the high priest and making clear that he has no rivals. Therefore, we do not need to rely on any lesser order of imperfect priests to approach God. And why is this important? Well, John Calvin summarized Christ's priestly office in terms of reconciliation and intercession. As the priests did under the Old Covenant, so Christ had to come forward with a sacrifice to obtain God's favor for us and appease his wrath. We should consider the historical biblical context of priesthood. But what is a priest? So priests are those by whom God's people are forgiven, justified, and reconciled to God. Before the Levites were selected by God to be an order of priests, there were other types of priests recorded in the Old Testament. Often when we talk about a priest, we envision someone who's dressed in some sort of ceremonial garb, maybe chanting or speaking Latin. However, Originally, this priestly role, the one that we see in the Bible, was a patriarchal patriarchal duty, falling primarily on the firstborn sons. We see examples of this in the lives of Adam, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses. They performed sacrifices, instituted law, and maintained ritual tradition within their families and their extended households. Now, peripherally to these individuals during this time, Scripture also mentions other priests. You may have heard of these ones. Melchizedek, the king of Salem. Jethro, or Reuel, of Midian, who was the father-in-law to Moses. And Potipharah, the Egyptian priest of On. After the Exodus, God instituted the Levitical priesthood under Aaron. And this was because of the zeal that they showed toward what we call the Mosaic Law, in a time when the majority of Israelites rebelled against it. After its institution, the priesthood of Israel was no longer earned by effort, nor aspired to by ambition. 
It can only be inherited by birthright, and one must be born into a priestly family. Now, this broke the intent and design of the priestly role, which fell on the firstborn sons. Under Mosaic law, the tribe of Levi was set apart to be priests and dedicated to serving God. So let's read in Numbers 18 verses 2 through 6 some of the definitions that were for the tribe of Levi. It says, But also bring your brothers with you, the tribe of Levi, the tribe of your father, so that they may join you and serve you, while you and your sons with you are before the tent of the testimony. And they will perform duties for you, and the duties of the whole tent. And they will not come near the furnishings of the sanctuary and the altar, or both they and you will die. They will join you and perform the duties of the tent of meeting for all the service of the tent. But an unauthorized person will not come near you. So you will perform the duties of the sanctuary and the duties of the altar, so that there will no longer be wrath on the sons of Israel. Behold, I myself have taken your fellow Levites from among the sons of Israel. They are a gift to you, dedicated to the Lord to perform the service for the tent of meeting. And you see how it says here that they were dedicated to the Lord. So priests were responsible for mediating between sinful people and holy God through the offering of sacrifices in order to cleanse their sin. Ultimately, all Old Testament priests were early types, or what we call representations of Jesus, who is the high priest. Let's look at some of these. In Hebrews 9 verse 11, we read, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not of this creation. So the high priest offered himself up as a sacrifice as well. We see this in Ephesians 5 verse 2, where it says, Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God. Hebrews 9.26 says, he has been revealed to put away sin by sacrifice of himself. He also cleanses us of our sin. In 1 John 1 verse 7 it says, And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So, as a priest, Jesus is our mediator. He is between God and ourselves. In 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 it says, For there is one God and one mediator also between God and mankind, the man, Jesus Christ. Now, it could be said that both the prophet and the priest stand between God and man. In the case of the prophet, he delivers the word of God from the top down, which we talked about last month. But in the case of the priest, he delivers the sacrifices of the people to God from the bottom up. So Jesus is a prophet. He delivers the word of God to us. But he's also a priest, and he delivers his sacrifice on our behalf to God the Father. Let's look at this phrase in Hebrews 4, verse 14. It says, Christ, who had passed through the heavens. As you know, one of the jobs of the high priest of Israel once a year was to pass through the veil, into the Holy of Holies, alone. And then he came back out, after the atonement had been sprinkled on the mercy seat. The author of Hebrews tells us, that our Lord Jesus Christ, as a priest, did not pass through an earthly veil into an earthly sanctuary and then into an earthly 
Holy of Holies, he actually passed through the heavens. In other words, he's saying that Christ's sacrifice is the real sacrifice. He entered into the heavenly Holy of Holies. He did, he really did establish a restoration of fellowship between God and his people. Now, these Hebrew Christians were not clear on the idea of the Messiah also being the high priest. After all, Christ had not descended from Aaron, nor was he a member of the tribe of Levi, the priestly tribe. He was, in fact, from the tribe of Judah. So Christ, while on earth, did not have access to the Jerusalem temple, so far as officiating as a priest was concerned anyway. And so he performed no priestly duties, and he contradicted the whole Jewish concept of the priesthood. Let's read from Zechariah 6, verse 13. It says, Yes, it is he who will build the temple of the Lord, and he who will bear the honor and sit and rule on his throne. Thus, he will be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace will be between the two offices. So when did Christ become the high priest? Well, Scripture tells us that Christ began his official priestly ministry at age 30, when he offered himself as a sacrifice for sins on the cross, he acted as a priest. But the resurrection and the ascension of Christ gave him triumphant enthronement as the great high priest forever. And I believe personally that he is, was, and how has always been the high priest from eternity. Looking back at the book of Hebrews, there are a number of important claims regarding the priesthood of Christ. Duties of the priest fulfilled by Christ. He is described as the superior priest. In Hebrews 4.14 through 10.18, there are some descriptions. Hebrews 3 talks about Christ being better than Moses. Hebrews 4 talks about Christ being better than Joshua. And then Hebrews 5, 6, and 7 talk about Christ being better than Aaron. One thing we need to remember is that ceremonial code is no longer relevant to Christians in their day-to-day -day practice, because Jesus is not descended from the Levitical priesthood, and it was the Levitical priesthood that implemented the ceremonial law. Jesus is descended from a very different priesthood, an eternal priesthood by which we are forgiven. As our high priest, Jesus has offered the final sacrifice to atone for sins. Hebrews 10.14 says that, For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Because Jesus' sacrifice is perfect, no additional sacrifice is ever needed forever. Now this is the case because Jesus did not simply offer a sacrifice that was external to himself, but he offered himself as the perfect sacrifice. Jesus not only fulfilled Mosaic law, but like Melchizedek, the priest we've already mentioned, he is a priest for all people, not just the descendants of Israel. Jesus' sacrifice established a new covenant, justified through reconciliation, and is for all of eternity, so that no other sacrifices are needed. Let's talk about Melchizedek. 
A lot of people speak about Melchizedek as though it is some great mystery as to who he was. So the chief reason for introducing the priesthood of Melchizedek as the type of Christ's priesthood was that it was forever. This is in contrast to the Aaronic priesthood, which was successional. Jesus is not a priest like the familiar Levitical priests, but he is of a different order, as of the order of Melchizedek, which we read in Hebrews 6.20. And because of that, he is a better priest than any of the priests of the old system. Some have inferred that Melchizedek must have been an angel who took on human form for Abraham, or even a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus himself. But these interpretations are actually unnecessary because the writer of Hebrews is simply using a rabbinical method of interpretation from the silence. So the point is that the Genesis account does not mention Melchizedek's parents or his genealogy or when he was born or when he died, and therefore it is, pro it is providing a very fitting type of what would be fleshed out in the qualifications of Christ. At the very least, Melchizedek is a foreshadowing of Christ, the king and priest. When Jesus is called our high priest, it is with reference to both of these previous priesthoods, like Melchizedek. He is ordained as a priest apart from the law given on Mount Sinai. We read in Hebrews 5 verse 6, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Like the Levitical priests, Jesus offered a sacrifice to satisfy the law of God when he offered himself for our sins. We read this earlier in Hebrews 7.26. Unlike the Levitical priests, however, who continually offer sacrifices, Jesus had only one sacrifice to offer, gaining eternal redemption for all who come to God through him. Hebrews 9 verses 12 says this, But through his own blood... He entered the holy place once and for all time, having obtained eternal redemption. The Heidelberg Catechism says that by the sacrifice of his body, Christ has redeemed us and makes continual intercession with the Father for us. In the words of the 1689 London Baptist Confession, we read, because of our estrangement from God and the imperfection of our services at best, we need his priestly office to reconcile us to God and render us acceptable to him. Salvation is only in Jesus Christ because there are two conditions that no matter how hard we try, we could never meet. Yet, they must be done if we are to be saved. So the first is to satisfy the justice of God through the obedience of the law. The second is to pay the price of our sins. And we can't do either of those but Christ did them both perfectly. Romans 5.19 says this, that by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Earlier in Romans 5.10 it says, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son. There is no way to come into the presence of God through Je unless it is through Jesus Christ alone. Jesus' sacrifice took place only once, and yet, he continues to act as our great high priest, the one through whom all acceptable prayer and praises are made to God. In the heavenly places, he remains our constant intercessor and advocate. Little wonder then that Paul calls for glory to be given to God 
through Jesus Christ forever, as we read in Romans 16, 27. We can grow in our enjoyment of access to God only by deepening reliance on him as our sacrifice and intercessor. In the Old Testament, when Saul attempted to blur the kingship and the priesthood, Saul himself offered sacrifices like a priest, and God punished Saul, partly by taking away the kingdom from him. And so, in Israel, the kingship and the priesthood were separate. Years later, Simon Maccabees would try this again, but his reign was decimated by the Romans. And this is what makes the character of Melchizedek so unique, and a fitting type of Christ, prophet, priest, and king. Next month, we will complete our look at the office of Christ, focusing on Jesus as king. What kind of king is he? He didn't seem to act like one, or did he? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your son, for your sacrifice, for coming as the great high priest to be our mediator, our intercessor, and to be the one to pay the price for our sin that we could come and be with you forever, that we could worship you and serve you and spend an eternity to be the perfect creation we were meant to be. Father God, we pray that you would go with us now, grant us uh, peace and safety, grant us our health, and Lord God, I pray that you would bring into our lives people who need to hear about you, to hear about the importance of Jesus Christ as the priest and why that's important in everyone's lives. We pray this in your name. Amen. If you enjoy Telly's talk and you're looking for something a little bit more, we do have a few options that we're working on. Right now, we are working on setting up our Patreon page where you can help to sponsor us and buy some swag, like a handy coffee mug. Everybody loves coffee mugs. On top of that, we're also in the process of having a short discussion booklet published called Six Good Questions. Once it's done, we will make it available to those who would like to purchase it as well. Thank you for all your help and support in prayer. We'll see you again next month. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. Next month, Tellius Talk will continue part three of the series on the offices of Christ. We will be looking at Christ as King. As King, Jesus came to fulfill prophecy and show us the perfect plan of God. We will be joined next month by a special guest to complete our study. Don't forget to visit our Facebook, Patreon, and YouTube sites. We are always happy to visit and answer questions. Our Facebook page has discussions, articles, and links to topics we discuss monthly. Keep us in your prayers as we prepare our podcast every month. We look forward to sharing with you again. Do we believe what we believe we believe? <laughs>